I've been thinking a lot about the protests that have been going on lately, last few months, and um, just feels like something really big is going on, um, really deep is going on in this country. Um, and the weird thing is that it keeps, it, just, it feels like it keeps on happening. Um, and so just briefly for anyone that really hasn't been following, it's the Netanyahu government wants to, wanted to anyway, um, make a series of reforms to the judicial system. And the critics say that it would weaken the court so much that it would just be the end of democracy in a nutshell. And the supporters of the reform say that um, these are necessary reforms, that the judicial system has too much power. It, um, it has, a, anyway, a left-wing bias or a secular bias, anyway, um, against what will likely become the majority of the country. And this is, this is anti-democratic, right? Broadly speaking, those are the two camps. And um, it's just the way that the debate has been played out is, you know, it just keeps, it just keeps on, the debate is played out in terms of basically secular Israel, um, the people who built the country, the economy, fought the wars in the old days, and even still to today, against this new version of Israel, which is ironically the old version of Israel, right? The, the sort of the more traditional uh, religious Jewish strand of Zionism who, many of whom contribute um, to the country, serve in the army, certainly, uh, but also work in industry, um, lead more or less normal everyday lives, more lives that we, people accustomed to a more secular lifestyle would recognize, save for some of the more ritualistic bits. Um, and it just, it just feels, like that is the central tension of this country, right? Is this, is this a democracy or is this a Jewish state? Um, what is the purpose of this place? Can those two things even coexist, right? I mean, if, if it doesn't work out, right? If this country does end up tearing itself apart along these two fault lines, which is essentially what was being openly broadcast to us um, by the political class. We're on the verge of civil war. We have mutiny on our hands. Um, then then the, obviously the answer is that we failed to make that work. Uh, we, we, we cannot have a Jewish state and a dem democratic one. Um, but set aside for a second the fact that there's, I don't know, something like two million Arabs who barely make it into the conversation here, um, which is, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a pretty big hole, I think, in the public discussion, certainly in for a de uh, democracy. You would think that a functioning democracy would have a voice for 20% of its um, constituents. So 
let's put that aside for a second because um, it's, it's a complicated issue, but um, it, it sort of distracts from the, the issue that I want to talk about, which is Bouquin's work. Um, can we be can we be a democracy? Can we be a, a, a state for Jews? Um, now, I think the answer is yes. Um, and I think we have to stop pitting those two ideas against one another. Um, and here, here's the reason why. So the way that most secular uh, Jews live in this country and even maybe outside uh, the world, they look at the, the religious types and they see an other. They see someone who cannot grasp the basic concepts of modern secular democratic society. And there's definitely something to that, but I, I also just don't think that's true. Not, not totally anyway. So here, I'll give you an example. Um, a couple months ago, I did an event um, in Tel Aviv with Moshe Koppel, who is the founder of Kohelet Policy Forum, this libertarian conservative think tank that, um, that's, uh, essentially they, they were the ones who wrote up this, the, the policy for the judicial reform. Um, it's their brainchild, his brainchild, if you want. And a few months ago, before this, you know, Netanyahu put a pause to all this, he was going around, essentially, a bunch of media, and trying to explain his position, why he wasn't um, engineering the end of democracy. And so and on this night, when we did this event together, he spoke most of the time. And so Moshe, by the way, he's a religious Jew, he wears kippah, um, but he's an immigrant from the US. So he's also well-versed in um, theory, the values of, of modern democracy. And the entire night he spoke about what the problems in the judicial system will, are, the roots and what they, and the consequences, the proposed solutions that were up for debate and some of the drawbacks. Like he, he really didn't hide anything and not once did he appeal to Jewish text or any kind of religious scripture. The man was having an open discussion, by the way, at a time where uh, thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of people were protesting, demonstrating every night. Now again, track the meaning of those words. When was the last time you went out of your house to scream at the top of your lungs as though your world was coming to an end. Um, and he was the cause of that, or one of the causes of that. So imagine what that does to a man's psyche. And he even admitted as such that he was not sleeping well at night, but he was determined because he thought he was right. So it was a fight he thought he had to fight. And he didn't appeal to any religious rationale or no, no religious reasoning at all whatsoever. Um, that just, that wasn't any, 
weapon he was willing to brandish in this fight. So if a guy like that, who is religious, observant, um, gets the game, uh, if there are people from that world who serve in government, if one of them was recently a prime minister, it's possible, right? It's possible to have both. And so you might object and say, yeah, but you know, Judaism is a religion. It's based on a text that cannot be edited because it is so-called divinely inspired or, you know, whatever it is, it's a, it's a divine text and therefore cannot, it cannot be updated, right? Only the, interp the interpretation of the text can be updated. And the more stringent you are with your observance of your religion, this goes for any religion, um, the less willing you are to budge about how you think the text translates to our lives. Because basically that's the point, right? You read these things so you, you don't read these things so you know how people lived 5,000 years ago and then you just leave it at that. You try to extract some, that's the whole point of the book is to extract some lessons about life. So they can apply to you, right? That's, that's, that's why we keep reading these things. And um, so you, how, how can you, how can you possibly negotiate with these kinds of people? Um, I have an objection to that line of thinking and, and that's that this, the term uh, Judaism, Jew, is a suitcase term. Like it, it's, quite, it's quite an elastic thing, you know, who exactly decides who's a Jew, right? If you notice, even within the religious camps, the ultra-Orthodox, there's a few different streams of how they practice. Um, is, are they all wrong? Are they all right? I, I, like, none of this makes any sense. Well, certainly they're all wrong, right? In some way or form or another. Um, how can anyone perfectly interpret the will and intentions of the creator of the universe? <laughs> Okay, that's a magic trick I would, I would like to see. Um, I would like to see pulled off. That, that, would, that would be nice. Uh, I think that would be nice. No? Don't you think? That would be nice. Anyway, uh, uh, for, uh, you know, for a birthday present. Um, it's, it's, it's obvious that people are... Um, implementing the things that they like and the things that they don't like about the tradition. And it's so, the, the, the spectrum is so broad, if you think about it. Um, and yet, there are still these sort of, these basic pillars that unite us as Jews in Israel and around the world. Um, the question is, is it worth hanging on to those things? Is it worth having a country grounded 
in that tradition. Um, I think the answer is yes. Um, and the reason is as follows, at least what I think so far. If I look back, if I look back on my life, let me take a step back. What is your life? Your life is just your movement through time and space on this planet, universe, whatever you want. And we tend to think of it as like the, you know, your life is the peak moments, right? But not really, right? If you actually pay attention to what's going on, your life is when you're sitting on the toilet taking a shit. Your life is when no one is watching you and you're picking your nose, or you're scratching your ass like that. That's all part of your life, right? And each moment, if you, again, if you're really paying attention, is equally as incredible as the next. In theory, of course, right? I mean, the fact that you're able to stand around and feel the sun and just look at stuff. Like the, the odds of you being alive are, are ridiculous. It's improbable. I, I read online that it was something like 400 trillion to one are the odds of your existence. 400 trillion to one. <laughs> well, name me something that has the same kind of odds as that. And so that's that's our predicament, right? And, and our, our, we had the fact that we're alive, it's it's this spectacular thing. And, but we can't live that way, right? Like, obviously we can't live that way because if I'm in a state of bliss, picking my nose, not gonna get much done. <laughs> and, and the thing is that we have to get things done, right? We live in the real world. We have to eat and find shelter and find love and, help one another, like all these things happen and you can't just be obsessed with our own, um, at our own predicaments at all times. So, so some, some moments in our lives matter more than others do. At least that's certainly the way they feel. And that's why you have these sort of so-called peak moments, right? And if I just look back on my life, um, I've got, my marriage, my wedding, um, the birth of my kids, my three sons, um, my <laughs> so-called entrance into manhood, my own birth, um, the death of my grandmother. These are moments, major moments of life. Um, and they were all saturated by Judaism. Now, again, I'm, I, I'm not a particularly uh, observant Jew um, in the sense that I, I, my whole day isn't full of Jewish ritual. But um, here's another one. Like every Friday night, this goes back to my childhood uh, even, we, it's, it's special. I mean, we have, my wife cooks a lovely meal. We have 
guests over and it's always great it's always a lovely atmosphere um and my kids they they love it they they complain like why isn't someone coming over for for shabbat dinner and we have these little things to spoil them you know they get a nice little dessert and and it's just we're marking this time in our lives every week to stop all the madness that's going on in our lives um And and uh, remember what's important. And so, um, if I feel that way, and my kids feel that way, and my wife feels that way. And um, my family feels that way and, and the people that come to our house and they love it. Um, I, I also know that there's plenty of people, um, plenty of Jews who feel the same way too. And that's, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, the reason to have a Jewish state is not just because there are people who wake up every single day and uh, scheme to kill Jews, right? That, that has happened in the past and continues to happen today, but there is a beauty um, in this tradition and it's worth preserving. Just think of the music, you know. Um, if I started singing to you songs that you hear in your synagogue, you might immediately recognize what that is. And then that draws an emotional response from you. Like, oh, and it takes you back to you when you were a child or whatever it was, right? Um, or you might think, oh, actually, no, they, they sang the same words, but a different melody, whatever, whatever it is. There's something that binds all of us together, um, and it is these the rituals and the architecture and the stories and the language and the music. Um, and it feels like family. Um, So, um, you know, it hurts to see my family um, talk about themselves in a way that I feel isn't really productive. Um, so the other day, yesterday, I think, actually, I was watching a show, Succession, hit show about, I guess it's based on the Murdoch family. Um, the father figure who builds his media empire, he has four kids and essentially they're good for nothings, right? They grew up with a silver spoon attached to their mouths and they have this misplaced 
sense of entitlement, they think, because of my last name and all the, the achievements of my father, who was uh, apparently like a, some sort of a street fighter, a scrappy, street smart, businessman, genius, savant, um, we get to also do those things, right? Like it's genetic, it's not earned. And of course the real world does not work that way. And people, you know, the next versions of uh, the father figure, his name is Logan Roy, they are out there, right? They're, they're coming up and they see these entitled kids and they're gonna eat them for breakfast, right? They know exactly what to do with these people. Um, they're just tougher and smarter and frankly more ethical than, than these other kids. So, so there's all this sort of machinations going on behind the scenes. And anyway, there, there's, um, there's one episode where the, the daughter, Shiv, she's about to get married and they, she meets up with two of her brothers on a boat and they're smoking a joint and she's plotting the destruction of her family business because she is the political advisor of a presidential candidate who wants to destroy the family business. The other son wants to do a leverage buyout takeover with the sworn enemy of his father. <laughs> Fucking crazy. And the other one is working inside the company, but also just dubious whatever, right? Just horrible things that, <laughs> that people, these siblings can do to one another, like just genuinely terrible. And basically, the, the, until where I've gotten right now in the story uh, or in the show is that the father figure, Logan, he's um, obviously much smarter than these kids and knows the kinds of games that they're playing. And, um, it's tough, like it's really tough because you just won't let any of this nonsense destroy what he built. Um, so he's tough on them. And he's trying to maneuver, trying to keep them close so that they don't fuck things up too badly. Anyway, obviously you can tell that there's a lot of tension with these, within the family, between the siblings. But anyway, they, they're smoking this joint because she's about to get married and there's all this drama going on. And at some point they just decide like, let's, I'm happy for you, Shiv says one of the brothers, and they have a hug, the three of them. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, <laughs> siblings who can do, who can plot such terrible things against one another can still find the time to say, yeah, that, that's what a sibling is, right? I mean, you you know your brother and sister. You know you've seen the shitty parts of them. You've seen the nice parts about, about them. You know that they're fucked up. <laughs> you, you know how fucked up they are. But you love them, right? You love them. Um, and hopefully there's a person at the top that um, knows how to steer the ship and keep things in place, more or less. Um, I guess, yeah, that, that brings me to my point, right? I mean, we are... I'm disappointed, I guess, in the leadership of this country. Um, on the one hand, it's an impossible job. I mean, think about it. Think about what it is to be a prime minister of this country, right? So I had um, Ari Haro on my podcast a couple months ago. Ari Haro was um, the former bureau chief for Benjamin Netanyahu uh, a couple years back. 
And uh, I asked him, like, man, this job, it's, it's impossible. How do you do it? You know, like, I compared that to, I, I had this weird fantasy where you compared it to um, the prime minister of, or president, I don't even know, of, of Switzerland, whatever they have over there. Because um, who knows? Who, who, who pays attention to the political situation in Switzerland? I don't know. I certainly don't. And, um, you know, like that, that guy probably packs it up <laughs> you know, at seven, goes home, you know, watches his Netflix, like all of us, like, what, what's the, what is the constant drama and emergency that's going on in Switzerland? I don't know, but here it's, it's nuts, you know, and of course it is, right? You know, Ari said something like, uh, this is a country of five million prime ministers. And it's like, yeah, you know, the stakes are pretty high for people here. You know, we, one mistake really can cost us quite a lot. Um, so, so people get pretty animated um, and they are paying attention. You know, they, and I'm not even talking about, um, I'm not even talking about like Iran building a nuclear bomb and wiping us all out, although that's, you know, it's a pretty big concern to keep in the back of your mind. But I mean, we, you know, we have kids, right? And we send them to the army. And some of those kids have to do horrible things. Um, and what, what does that do to a person? How does that shape the trajectory of their life? And is that the right thing to do? I mean, as a parent, you know, it's not an easy decision, right? It's not an easy thing to contemplate. It's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's not good, you know? So you've got that kind of pressure, right? And you're also, I mean, it's, you wake up in the morning and the weight of, you, the, weight of the world is, is really on your shoulders, right? You're, you're out there and you have to know about how to deal with Lebanon. You have to know how to deal with Gaza. You have to know how to deal with the Palestinian Authority. You have to know about what to do with the economy. You have to know about what to do with the United States. You have to know what to do about Europe. You have to know what you do about... Iran, you have to know about security matters. I mean, each one of those fields is its own mega, it's its own, what, department at a university. Like each one has its own branch of PhDs. There's no way one person could possibly manage everything and be an expert on everything. It's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible. You, you know, people spend a lifetime mastering one corner of each of those topics it's impossible so that means it's it's you're going to make mistakes like it's it's nearly impossible to do a good job as a prime minister of this country um but you know risking the foundations of this place um, look, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be in those shoes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that man is thinking. Netanyahu in this case. I have no idea. Like, he, it would be extremely arrogant of me to say that a guy who's butted heads with Barack Obama and President Trump and Vladimir Putin and MBS and MBZ and you know the, the, 
the people with tremendous amounts of power and armies behind them. Um, and, you know, not to mention out, out competed some of the, some of the smartest and most accomplished people in this country for many, many years running. It, it's really arrogant for me to say that I know what that guy is thinking and how he thinks and how many steps ahead he is. I, I have no idea, right? But as a person, I can probably, I think it's safe to say that his legal situation flashes through his mind sometimes. And in what regard he's thinking these things through, does he really believe he's truly innocent? I, I have no idea, I really, really don't know. Um, you know, has he been corrupted by power? Like, does the guy think that because he's gone through life, literally jumping from elite institution, from elite institution, uh, devoting his entire life to public service, leading the country, creating a peace deal, like, does he think he's sort of the chosen one and therefore, you know, he has to go out on his terms once he feels like he's accomplished that? I have no idea, right? I have no idea, you know? Is he the Logan Roy type and all the other silly children who feel entitled? You know, maybe that's his mentality. I have no fucking clue, right? Um, but I just don't think that it's useful or productive to To lose sight of the fact that we have a lot more in common with one another than we think. And we have a lot more to lose if we continue down this path than we have so far realized. Well, that's not true. I mean, people are demonstrating, so they're they're quite animated by by that concern. But have to be able to do this better. Um, this is a place that is not only important to Jews, it's also important to Muslims, it's also important to Christians, and um, it's a hell of a responsibility to manage this place. And to know what to do. Um, and I, I don't know if, I don't know if one person is up for the job. I, it seems almost impossible, I think. So it has to be obviously some sort of movement. Um, a movement of people who are open to more nuanced discussions about things. And um, where is that nuanced discussion? I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, I was doing some homework on what else is out there. And um, 
I was listening to a podcast called Unholy, uh, by, uh, which is hosted by Yonit Levy and I think the other guy's name is Jonathan Friedland. Um, so Yonit Levy is a, she's basically the cream of the crop of Israeli news presenters. Um, I used to have a, I used to have a crush on her just because just seeing her in action, she's incredible. She, her Hebrew is unbelievable. Her English is impeccable. She speaks Italian, I think, also extremely well. Um, she's she's fabulous. And um, and then this other guy, Jonathan Friedland, I'd never heard of him, uh, but I think he's a columnist in the in um, in the UK. Um, and I, I think the anyway the podcast is I think it's about. Israel and then the Jewish world and I think these two people commenting on it and sometimes I have a, a guest to come on and talk to them about it um, and I was listening to one recently about the flag march so there's this day uh, called Jer sorry, Jerusalem Day which is uh, just happened a week or so ago maybe two weeks ago and there's a march that goes through Jerusalem and a lot of kids who are super um, proud of their nation and their history they they sing songs and they walk around the street and they have Israeli flags. And this is um, this is commonly characterized as provocative. And she was saying that um, she was commenting a little bit about some of the um, some small section of the um, the people who were marching here were chanting death to Arabs, which is horrible. And in her own sentence, in the same sentence, she said something like, yeah, you know, some people criticize us because, um, you know, the vast majority of these people don't obviously chant death to Arabs. It's just a small minority, but what can we do? We're the news, this is our job. And I thought, my God, that's, that's an appalling thing to say. Um, no, no your, your job is to is to is to provide the proper context so that we understand exactly what's going on here and then the other guy jonathan um uh friedland he's saying yeah and flags uh, I, I think he brought it back to his days covering something in ireland and he's just very uncomfortable with the idea of of national pride and showing and any sort of public feelings of national pride again i thought you know with all due respect fuck off fuck off you know, that's your feeling, fine, no problem, but what are you, what are you trying to say? So someone who's proud of their heritage is, is it racist? Like, I'm, no, like, if the vast majority of the people who, um, who, who are on this flag march um, don't chant death to Arabs and are just happy that they live in a Jewish country and so on and so forth, yeah, and and they're in a they're in a um, they're in a, a a context where they could say their racist feelings if they had them right um, and say death to Arabs because you know other people are doing it, right not not many but the opportunity is there to not feel like a fucking racist piece of shit you know and they don't do it the vast majority of them don't do it I think the vast majority of them are. If you ask me, probably pretty sensible. You know, they may have some positions, maybe, I don't know. But do they really want to kill all Arabs? I doubt it. I doubt it.
And those are, one is arguably the most, one of the most well-known journalists in Israel. And the other, you know, I don't know, I think he's got also a high profile in the UK, um, but you know, he speaks to an international audience about what may or may not go on here. Um, and um, I don't know, I, I, if, is this the best we can do? Really? Is this really the best we can do? I, I don't think so. There's some people who are trying. Um, shout out to these guys called um, Two Nice Jewish Boys. Um, they've got a podcast going on for a while. Um, I listened to a couple of their episodes. You know, kudos to them, man. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, really. Um, um, I would just say the only thing I would have to say to them is um, just be yourself. <laughs> you know, don't 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 try to oversell shit. You know. Anyway, that's just for them. Nobody else. But um, the larger point being, you know, I, I've taken a look at the poll numbers, man, and uh, people do not trust Israeli media in Israel, right? And Lord knows how many people moan about the coverage of Israel in the foreign press and how many people moan about the coverage of the Palestinians in the foreign press. Everyone's dissatisfied with this stuff, everyone. And, um, you know, can we do better? Can we do better? I think we can. I think we can, you know? And um, look, I really, 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 really admire Joe Rogan. <laughs> think what you want about the guy, whatever, but that guy, you know, he is, living his life on his own terms. He is his own man. <laughs> and you think, so? It's like, why? No, that's a big deal. It's a big fucking deal. We're all trying to put on an act about how good we are in this or how good we are in that. And, you know, how many of us feel that we're not exactly where we ought to be in our professional lives? I mean, certainly growing up as teenagers and as kids, we're also trying to fit in. Like it's, you know, it takes a lot of work and a lot of courage, man, to be yourself, um, to be authentic, to be, you know, and if you're yourself, if you are yourself, people have no choice but to trust you, right? If you lay out exactly who you are, then there's nothing, there's no mystery, right? You know what the person is after. Now, it's never a perfect thing, right? I'm sure Joe has had his up and down moments, you know? Moments where maybe he's a 
shrank back from the pressure and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, think about it. Like, that guy was on their crazy attack in COVID. Still the same guy. <laughs> he had the entire media establishment. The fucking stock of Spotify was tanking, you know. That is a lot of signals that people are out to... People are not happy with your performance, right? And he's like, but why? What, what am I doing wrong? I'm just trying to figure stuff out. And hopefully, um, and hopefully people who listen will learn something. And um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? There's no, there's no shame in it. Like we're wrong all the time. So, yeah, I mean, isn't that the appropriate attitude to, to take to this place, right? Now, we can't be naive, you know, again, stakes are really, really high, but isn't a an unfiltered search for truth the best option we have? I think so. Um, that's that's kind of what I've been thinking about for the last, I don't know, six months, maybe, maybe more. But um, I think there's a real, real opportunity here to do something special um, and to learn and to, to, to build Build something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I won't bullshit you. <laughs> I have no idea. I really don't. Um, but um, it just, it, it feels real. It feels real. And it feels noble, I think. Um, you know, I, that's, that's what I would like to do. <laughs> Um, the only problem is I need help. <laughs> I need a lot of help. Um, I can't do this on my own. Forget it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if, if anyone is interested to help, um, I'm, I'm open for, to discuss. Um, I, you know, I have a general idea of, of what this ought to look like, but, um, you know, um, I think the first thing I need is, is your support, you know, and just, if you like this stuff that I just said, um, and it makes sense to you and it rings true to you and it's personal to you and you feel like it's in the right direction, don't, don't, don't kill me if it's, if I've messed up, uh, you know, I'll have five points here and there. If you generally agree with the thrust of things, then, um, then, then, then subscribe to my podcasts, share this, uh, you know, I don't know, help me spread the word. Um, um, and if you don't agree and you think that things are fine and there's no hope to improve things, then we shall disagree <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>